I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. As part of these events, we always like to interview people. Today, we have the honor of having a friend of mine, and I'm just going to read his bio to you before he comes up. His name is Anthony, and Anthony is an actor, and he's a presenter and writer and ordained minister. After 20 years he has, uh, of co-laboring, he's finally stepping out, and he's starting a church, a community called Tribe Redeem. It has an entertainment industry focus, which is totally right after my heart. That's what we did 12 years ago. And we, we would never look back. It's been so beautiful in Los Angeles, California. And Anthony can be heard uh, weekly presenting the best in praise worship music on the premier praise, 8 to 10 GMT time. And so um, premier radio, if you, if you listen, have you heard of that before? I know it's little. I'm just kidding. It's like the biggest Christian thing in the nation right now. And so I'm going to invite Anthony to come up. We're so glad you're here. I don't know where they have you. Where are you? Come on up. A bit different from this perspective. We're so glad you're here. Is your wife here too? My wife is here, yeah. Let's introduce her. Seeing there, there. She's Hello. taken. She's filming. Hello. Taken. <laughs> this is awesome. Well, I know, uh, you know, we've talked a few times and I also got to read some stuff from you. And I know you came out of kind of a church Christian background and ministry background. And one of the things that God really did was give you permission to go and become an actor and, and to become an entertainment person. That was a big step for you, especially the culture you came out of. Let's talk about that first. Tell me that journey. Um, well, I grew up on a fairly rough estate, and the um, a local church came and did outreach, and I got born again. And I did the awkward thing of going to the church next door, which I wasn't very popular for that, but anyway. And that was a, that was a very old-school black Pentecostal church that goes back years, you know, Windrush period that I'm very proud to have been associated with, but New Testament Church of God. Anyone who New Tears here? Um, they're the first church that believed in me, the, the calling of my life. And the challenge was, I'm an all or nothing guy. So when I was a teenager, I wanted to be an actor and I was going to go to drama school. Then some things happened that made me think as a Christian, I can't go into that field. Because I didn't think, I'd think I'd be offending God. You know, I didn't realize, not today where you've got Bishop Jakes and stuff making movies. I was like, you can't be a Christian. You're either a Christian or you're an actor. And I didn't want to offend God. I want to go to heaven. So, <laughs> when, long story short, I was in the New Testament Church of God and I became a minister. And I, you know, if you don't play football, sometimes you become a pundit. You know that thing where you watch from the sidelines, yeah. you know, you wear the kit, you shout and scream, but you really want to be on the pitch. So I found my way in certain jobs where I was around people like that. But part of me, I felt like I had to give myself to ministry 100%. So I was super minister. I'd been ordained since I was 20. People thought I was 45. <laughs> I got used to wearing suits all the time and being called reverend. And in a funny way, it became my identity. And I couldn't reconcile that with the young, kind of arty, kind of creative yeah. that was locked inside, waiting to be released. And I found that um, the more I was more active, more my gift and who I was in terms of my calling was recognized, which I wanted because I had belonging issues, the more it, I, it became a straitjacket 
and that artistic person in me was buried. And in that environment, you're all or nothing. Now, and this is incredible because I think there's people here who can take on any identity and, and, and it can become a false identity. Anything that we take on as far as roles or career paths or whatever, but especially ministry in a lot of circles becomes your full identity. It's what you're celebrated for. I mean, I see it in the sports industry a lot. I minister to sports guys, and they're so celebrated in that role that they, they go home to their wives who's mad because they have four kids, and she's like, you haven't even been home, and you're being celebrated, and I'm having to do all this. And they end up having an affair because they want a woman who will just celebrate them. And so there's like, whenever you have a false identity, it leads to problems, even in the ministry. That's why we've seen so many failed ministries. But the biggest problem is it suppressed who you really are. Like there's part of you that didn't come alive. So what was the encounter that led you into like, I get to be an artist? Well, yeah. So again, being the pundit, I got, I had opportunities to interview all sorts of people, including like Jennifer Hudson, just before she won the Oscar for Dreamgirls. And, and I was that kind of guy who'd be, oh, that's such and such because... I love movies and I love showbiz and entertainment. But in terms of ministry, I remember there was a moment where, put it this way, I'm in my late 30s, I won't say well, but if I was still in the movement that I was with, that I love very much, I would have been a bishop, I would maybe have a church by now, and I wanted recognition. Because I was adopted, in fact, I was transracially adopted, so do you remember the show Different Strokes? Yeah. What you talk about, Willis? Absolutely. It was a little bit like me, so... I always was looking for something to anchor me in a tribe to belong to. So when it came to the point of um, who I was and who I'd become, I became, I was like very accomplished as this young guy who was going to be like the future whatever in ministry. I remember the Lord um, showed me um, where Jesus talks about the fasters. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be like those guys. They have their reward. You know, when they're fasting in the streets and looking great and looking religious and stuff yeah. like that. And, and God was like, you know, don't, don't be like them. And I was like, me? I could never be like that. I'm the next great hope. And it, it dawned on me that, <laughs> you got it eventually. It dawned on me that I was doing the fasting, the whole being called reverend and pastor at a very young age yeah. and being a minister. I even did the whole, yes, I am sent from the Lord, you know, with a Bible under your arm. And it became, because I'm such a, a warm and open person, it was a bit of a, I had to perform a role. Ironic, because I gave up acting, right? And the Lord said, get rid of it. Wow. So I did. And all my status went because, again, I was accomplished quite a bit for my young age. I was was still in my 20s. I had to give up status, my identity, for the last, at that point, almost 10 years, just down the toilet. And I had to start again. Did you, like, literally just step away from everything? Yeah, I stepped. And and, and in, in most churches, it's only when you, like, fall into... Um, ill repute yes. that you step down from that kind of podium or you get promoted to a nice church or somewhere else down the road where me I just felt I'm out deuces and it <laughs> so was like, everybody was like what did he do <laughs> yeah, exactly and I got that I got people said oh sorry bro when they saw me I was like I didn't do nothing it wasn't me <laughs> I'm innocent um, but at a similar time the stirring of acting came back in me. I did a play in a church where they asked me to be an abusive wife-beating husband, so complete fiction. But the funny thing is that when I did it, I did it so well, because, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a, the inner thespian came out, that people actually were like, boo, hiss, when they saw me at church, because I'm like, I didn't mean, I didn't really hear. Oh and that God. just woken something in me that, oh, and the Lord was saying, I've made you in all your 
um, giftings and all your personality yeah. and that something died inside of you when you and the Lord said I never told you to give it up yeah so he was recreating it really he spoke to you so that he could actually pull out the true you yeah. there's part of you that was missing yeah. so since that experience like tell me some of the story like where did you go from there you hit a place where you surrendered it all you start to awaken as an actor like what was next um, and then I was in Hollywood, no, only joking. Uh, <laughs> you know when it says it takes 10 years to be an overnight success? I think I'm year 12. Um, I went to drama school part-time because I had a young family then, and that was difficult having... He has a beautiful family. You know, thank you, Jolene, my wife. She's so supportive. You know, you know, yeah. We've been together 18 years wow. we got together when you know my life was like late teens i was 20 and it's hard to be married to someone who's changing rapidly because yeah. in the year 2009 i turned 30 or I've just aged myself or i'm out myself i left i stepped down from as a minister and i find i found my biological family after 30 years wow. which may be a story for another day but yeah in nigeria it's like a miracle facebook everything I didn't even know who I looked like. My first person who looked like me was my 12-year-old daughter when she was born. And I was like, oh, you've got my nose. It was that kind of thing. Yeah. But around that time, it was, um, it, was, it was a case of me rediscovering. And my wife stood with me as I became multiple different people. And not just as an actor, because you play multiple different people. But I went to um, part-time acting school and um, had some great opportunities. And I remember there was, very briefly, there was one acting coach, I was not in the advanced class, I was in the beginners, and you know how these things work. And there was a coach from America called Susan Batson, who's like a, a well-known, really huge um, acting coach of Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman. Wow. They worked on uh, Eyes Wide Shut, and she thanked her the Oscars. And I managed, because of God's favor, to get in that beginners class. I was new to this school, it's method acting, all that stuff. And I got on the course, it was like, it was brutal, it was like 10 days, but it was like nine till midnight. Oof. Uh, these, let me just tell you about this. Like, all of the acting course classes, I went to a couple of these weekends, and that's when I decided I would never be an actor, because you give everything and they wear you down. These people are like prison wardens. They're like they pull out things out of you, and you give all of it on that moment. You're seeing, so I can't imagine nine to twelve. That would be my death. We have a newborn, a, a two-year-old, and a newborn baby at home. So maybe I was just getting out of the uh, baby changes. <laughs> but very, uh, just to cut it up, is that um, at the end of it, I had to do a role. We all had to do the same role, but it was actually, ironically, you know how the Lord brings you back to your battlefield? Yeah. It actually was a role that I would have morally had some issues with in the past. Not like anything majorly, and it wasn't a compromise, but just because it was a t person of a certain community that I didn't think I could do. But somehow the grace of all the parts of the play, it was the most easiest non-controversial part that we chose. And at the end of it, she stood up and she was telling me during it that I wasn't getting some things right. At the end, remember I was a beginner, she stood up in the class and said she had tears down her eye and said my journey moved her. And she wow. said that I, was, I had the potential to be, one of the, to be really, really great and I should like just up sticks and go to LA, which I didn't. And um, <laughs> that affirmation, was really key because not only did she affirm me as an actor, there was an exercise that we had to do where um, we had to say, method acting is strange. We had to go in a corner and say, I want my mummy, I want my mummy. I all of a sudden was overcome with emotion and I was on the floor and I was crying like a baby 
because it's meant to get you sort of sensitive to your feelings. And what I realized is, though I had a, a white mum who raised me to fir till I was 13 because she died, who I loved a bit, I knew it was my biological mother. It connected me to when I would have been a baby crying in my cot, waiting for her to come back for me, aged six months, and she didn't for reasons I won't go into. Um, and it just broke me. Wow. And that led to the journey of both me pursuing the acting properly, professionally, and finding my biological family a year later. Wow. That's amazing. I think it's one of the observations I would make from this is that the path that we're made for brings us the most formation. And a lot of times people are like, you know, I can only be formed in the church. The reality is if you're an artist, you have to be formed by other artists. And, and this woman who's probably not a Christian who's leading the class has language and skills to unlock things in you that will mentor you in ways that maybe a pastor never could. And I know that's controversial, but part of following the prophetic journey is actually being in the space you're supposed to be made for. And it says in Colossians, bad company corrupts good character. And I've found for me, there's times that bad company was worse in the church than outside the church. Because of some of the people I wasn't called to be around and I was giving more time and attention to, and it actually pulled me out of my calling for a season. And so I think it's really interesting that God sent you into this kind of course and direction. And she, not an apostle or a prophet here, but she spoke destiny over you that gave you that kind of believing faith. She was your prophet in a way. And she was a black lady around the same age that my mother would have wow. been in America. See, God knows. And so I just say that because some of you are looking for something in all the wrong places. If you follow what's instinctually to you and you stay in your lane, and I don't mean to preach, but if you stay in your lane of where you're called to, God will form you there. And it's really important to know that because it's, sometimes we're looking for something like an upgrade to happen outside of that. And God's saying, just stay in your lane. But okay, so let's, let's go forward. Um, I know this isn't, the continuity of this isn't exactly correct, but you started to work for the radio station as part of it. We end up, we love all the same, our prayer list is the same for Hollywood. We just pray for all the same people. But tell us how the, the radio stuff started to happen. I must say, just very quickly on that topic, that it's a bit weird because like last year I was interviewing you yeah. at Premier Radio. And um, I know Cece, she's a connector of everybody yes, here, so appreciate that. Um, I'm, a, I'm a visual guy. Besides music, which I adore, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a radio guy. I never listened to BBC One, two, three, four, eight, whatever number. You know, when you're a teenager, you know, for music, but I'm not a radio guy naturally, so there's a lot of people who bust in a gut to get into radio. It literally was, someone called me at the time, this is like in early 2000s, saying, oh, there's a job going at Premier Radio. Okay, I'll go for it. By the way, you got the job. It was like that kind of, <laughs> that, oof. We but break off the spirit of jealousy off of yeah. people who want that job. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I... <laughs> I, um, I did some media, here's, here's the thing, it's like, um, I'd always been wanting to get into media, so I, I consumed media, but it was television. Yeah. Um, and also, I was a bit like, when you've said things before, I'm not a fan of Christian television or Christian radio, and I end up in Christian radio, and it's been like 14 years. Ooh, God sense of humor, no, I love it. Um, so. Uh, God opened a lot. And here's the thing, I went to Bible college for three years. I'm not going to do a long story, but um, in Bible college, I was trained, obviously, theologically. They were looking for someone at Premier to listen to the ministry programs to, at that time, Premier was going to be taken off of air, off of air, taken off air. 
too many offs. Um, because uh, they said something about witchcraft. This was public knowledge, so I'm not going to look for a red dot. Um, and they wanted to take Premier off it completely because I think people from the Wiccan Society complained or something like that. Oh, wow. So I joined in 2004. This was like 2003. So, um, and in this country, there was no religious licenses for radio. It was illegal until Premier got it in, I think, 97 or something like that, 96. Um, so this was a massive threat that they were going to potentially lose their license because... Someone said about something about the devil and or Satan, and he apparently he's a protected entity in religious circles. Wow. Who knew? So, so, but win for me, yay, I got a job. So they were looking for someone who was a theology grad with interest in media to come to listen to scrutinize the shows. And I love Chinese food. I love, you know, uh, McDonald's. I love fish and chips. I probably wouldn't put them in a blender and eat them at the same time. Yeah. And that was a little bit what the job was. You're listening to someone like Creflo Dollar one minute and then someone who's like Anglican priest the next. But that was my way in. Wow. <laughs> so what did it become through the years? Because I know now you have a, a show. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing with the radio side of things just for a minute. And then I'm going to go into some risky prophetic words you gave. Um, it's so funny because God gave me a word that he would increase my voice there because... <sighs> When it was year 12, I used to joke, you know, the film 12 Years a Slave. <laughs> Everyone say, pay rise, come forth. Um, but you know what? Got, I kept on getting words about being Joseph. And I think there was something about being there in a backroom capacity. I'd done all sorts of situations. I interviewed Dr. Miles Monroe, uh, I think Jennifer Hudson, Stephen Baldwin, different high-profile people but it was one-offs, loads of one-offs, but not the job. And I was like, what's going on? I should be on air, whatever, whatever. Because somebody didn't want to be in radio. I was thinking, well, I might as well be on air and do X, Y, Z. And things weren't happening, and you go through different cycles. And there was a point where I switched off my Christianity in the job. Um, this is risky, too risky, where it's just a job. I've got a wife and three children. I want to be an actor anyway. I did my job diligently, and I was grateful for it, because many people would want a job, right? But it was like, oh, it's so good you're at Premier Radio. I was like, yeah. But I'd be working diligently, but it was my heart wasn't in it. No lie, Sean. The moment I clicked my heart back in, because God operates, I'm, um, I oper I've been operating through the spiritual gifts for years. I got Toronto-esque stuff as a teenager in 1994, laughing for three hours, drunk, having to be carried out. I was exposed very young as a teenager off account of an estate to the works of God. But when it came to work, it was work here, my outside life there. Wow. And I, my heart had gone cold for the company, but then God started to challenge me on that and say, so God released me to give prophetic words in the workplace. <gasps> you know, Christian workplace, but it's like, let's put it this way, we're not all charismatic. <laughs> but, but Jesus loves everyone there, and he's doing a fantastic work through, through my workplace. But when I reactivated who I was authentically in the workplace, not just a drone, things started to happen and God said that I will release opportunity in this place before you go. I ended up being on a training course with my boss, the head of the whole company, who would go past me, hey, how you doing, Tony? All right, and that was it. In the class, it was like Joseph favor. He was excited about it. He said, I didn't realize what, what's been happening. I didn't realize you could talk. <laughs> like, 13 years at this point. And um, 
he was just constantly just very enthusiastic to get me on air. Cut long story short, by January, I was on air nationwide on the sister channel and filling in on the big channel countless times for different presenters. So come on, Jesus. Wow. When I wanted to leave. And God's Again, saying, I've got I want to highlight what God told you because basically if we have a, a disconnect in our heart, if we're not on assignment where we go, we won't have favor, honor, because we're not honoring, we're not showing favor. So we won't have favor, honor, provision, opportunity. And there's so many times, you know, as a pastor, I remember in our church, we, we were given a venue by a little Chinese church, and this is kind of a side story, but they said, we want to be your starter home. And I was like, great, thanks. But it was a half an hour, so the jurisdiction we wanted to be in, we didn't really want to be there. And it was like way cheaper than anything we can get. And we're like, oh, I hate it here. There's no parking lot. The air conditioner doesn't work, you know, all that stuff. And I, I, just my heart. So the first year we didn't bond to the building. We just did services there, but we were there full time. And God spoke to us, said, you won't bloom if you don't bloom where you're planted. You won't bloom where you want to be planted. And I remember just going, oh, God. And he said, I've given you a space. Why don't you bloom there? And so all of us were like, oh, dang it. We didn't go, yay. We said, oh, that means we're going to be here a while, you know. But we decorated the building, and we had our hearts attached to it. We rebuked each other. And it became this beautiful thing that we're still at three years later. I was so disappointed to be there at first. And now I'm just like, cool. God gave us a space. Thank you, God, that there's always room for your family. But I think it's that same kind of principle that we all – I love when God speaks, like God tells you, like, turn your love on, turn your heart on, turn your connect on, because – so much happens, and I love that it feels like it's temporary space, right? Like it's just something had to happen there first before the next. But tell us a little bit about um, some of the risky prophetic words you've given, because you've risky. Ooh. You've had a couple risky moments in your life. Um, I think the riskiest ones have been when it's non-Christians. So I remember talking to my sister. She's 12 years older than me, very different. I am black, she is white. I am, she's very accomplished very financially. She had a very high-powered job. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> and she's a rationalist. She's a very hard rationalist. I'm a romantic in terms of my ideas. I'm a creative. And one time, we hadn't spoken for a year, um, and the Lord said to call her up. We didn't fall out. It's just that we love each other, but we're very different, so we have to be very intentional to connect. And she, she supports me. She's oh, my little brother who, um, you know, is into God. And <laughs> he sees dead people. Um, <laughs> no, 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 not my anointing. But uh, he, he told me that she's, her job is going to come to an end, but this is going to be the, open up such opportunities for her life that um, she's going to be headhunted and it's not to worry about it. And, and I was like, I can't say that, Lord. I was sitting in a costa. God talks to me, and I'm not advocating. I don't have shares, but God seems to be speaking to me in costas. And funnily enough, I prefer Starbucks, but anyway. Um, I'm in costa, and the Lord said, call her up and tell her about her job. It's going to be okay. I was like, oh. So I rang her up, and she was like, you're right, Tony. I was like, she called me Tone for Tony. And I said, yeah, this might be a bit weird, Claire, her name is, but I feel like I just want to say that I know your job is coming to an end, but don't worry about it. There's going to be some opportunities. And this is a job, we came from like what you call the projects, like a tough estate. And she, I remember being a little kid and her cramming books and working her way up to get this high-powered job. It became, it was a major thing in terms of her identity. 
So I knew it meant oh, this job was everything to her, but I told her, don't worry about it. God has a, I don't say God, but I just feel like there's something around, around the corner. And she was like, oh my God, Tone. I was like, oh my God, what? Oh my God, Tone. I've just been made redundant. And she's an executive in her job, and I thought everything was happy as Larry. And, and I, someone actually contacted me, she said, to headhunt to see if I want, like, looking for a uh, come and work for his firm. The job never happened, but the headhunting conversation that I alluded to happened. And she was like, but Tom, we haven't spoken for a year. I was like, yeah, I know. So how did you know that? And I said, well, and I went into about Jesus telling me, blah, 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 blah. And then in the conversation, I said, oh, she has a friend that she's known since they were like eight, who I've grown up like as a, a sort of an aunt. And I said, and I told the person by name, which I won't write now, I said, you know, you feel like you're going separate ways, like completely rifting. But I said, don't give up on her, because I feel like that relationship is so close to your heart. And even though you're different people in this period of time, it's going to reconcile and it's like your family. You may not have much in common, but it's really important that you stay in a relationship. She went, Tone, we've, me and such and such have gone astray. We're estranged and it feels like we don't even hear each other anymore. We talk different languages and I'm actually just been content to just call it a day in the relationship. And she was just, her mouth was just, from what I heard on the phone, was just jaw dropped. And after that, I just was talking about God for two hours. Wow. I told her about all my supernatural experiences. That's, yeah, clap is okay. You can wow. clap. Um, so for me, strangers and people who are not Christians, I'm the opposite to you. I'm a friendly person, but I have rejection issues. So going up to someone, I remember once on a bus, this would be the 50, 10 seconds of question. I'm, I'm like, give me the mic, I'm a preacher, but I won't, I promise. And um, I was sitting next to a lady, and she was quite an attractive lady, and I'm very conscious that you don't just go up to a lady, hey, uh, you know, God is telling me, because people think something. So. so she was at, you know, brothers, don't do it. Honest. And my wife is here, so I have to change what I'm saying. Um, but I was at the bus stop, and... I saw her and I was like, I won't look her. And then God said, go and give her a word. I was like, I'm not doing it because that's dodgy. That doesn't seem right. And then I said, if she gets the same bus as me, maybe I will. So one bus came, everyone got on, but me and her didn't. I was like, darn it. (laughs) If she gets on the bus I'm getting on, then maybe she gets on the bus, doesn't she? And I'm on it. And I I sat a few rows back. I said, then she went and sat somewhere and and then there was no one sitting next to her. And I said, I'm not going to sit next to her. I can't, I can't do it. And then someone sat next to her and I said, if she gets off the same stop that I do, then you're on. (laughs) Okay, Jesus, so I get off together, we get off. And I said, hey, um, do you happen to be into like art and stuff like that? She went, no. (laughs) I'm like, Lord, are you setting me up? I took a chance, even though it's 20 times been asked. But what she said is, oh, no one's ever said anything like that to me. Why? Why did you say it? I said, I'm a Christian, and I just feel like I just want to share a blessing to you. That Jesus. She goes, oh, that's so kind, but I'm not an artist, but it's really kind. And then she went off and said, Jesus loves. She says, oh, thank you, and walked off. And I've given words, and I've never had a no flat before like that. And I felt really bummed, and I was like, oh, false prophet alert, false prophet alert. <laughs> I'm just going to retire. But the Holy Spirit said to me, the test was, would you love her enough to look stupid? Wow. No one had told her that Jesus loved you. Wow. 
you know? That's awesome. I love that. Well, tell us, we're coming to the end of our interview, so tell us about, there's so much more I want to hear from you, but tell us about the new community you're starting. Tell us what's going on. So I've been running from the call to be a pastor for years. So I've been an assistant and associate pastor for years, New Testament Church of God, who helped, you know, put a collar on me and say, hey, we recognize this calling you. I'll ever be grateful. And then African Church, fire, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> pastor Debo, great man of God, by fire, by thunder. Every Debo Moscata. <laughs> you know? And even though I'm Nigerian by blood, I grew up in a all right mate, white working class household. So I've had to learn my Nigerianness. But anyway, but so <laughs> by fire, by thunder. So I've stepped out to uh, God show me, and this will be very, very quick. Twenty years ago, on my way to Bible college, I went to LST and I went on a trip to Israel. I, there's a guy called Winston, and he'll remember this. We worked in a shop called Austin Reed's. They talk about slavery. They treated a suit shop. It's a bit like the show, Are You Being Served? You know, oh, we were treated like a, like a slave. And we worked, we sweated and worked, and I saved up to go to Israel. So we went there, and this guy came up to me in the hotel. Um, he took my, shook my hand. A black American guy's like, shut up, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's fucking tough. So I was like, as you do. I was like, hey... And the week, two weeks before, I was on the floor cold, God downloading prophetically every single word that God told me he spoke through this man, you know? And then he said, oh, and by the way, you're going to Bible college in two weeks. And when you go, X, Y, Z, turns out he was part of the Benny Hinn ministry. They were on a tour to Israel at that point. Fast forward 20 years later, where... Um, when I was at Bible college, God showed me this picture where you had, to, I did, had career coaching and I had to draw everything that was in my spirit. And it was on a piece of paper and I still, somehow I stumbled across it earlier this year and I looked at it and it was like everything that God has been speaking to me over the last year and a half, two years was on that piece of paper. Wow. My writing a book, speaking on platforms, the camera and being in front of a camera, the artistic gift and stuff, even my wife was on there, all that kind of stuff. And it was like God saying, now is the time. Wow. And I'm part of a prophetic community called Filling Station. I started going last year and my first, yeah, woo, shut up. And this lady called Eva, I'm name dropping deliberately. First time I met her, she happens to be my daughter's name. I just fell on the floor because the anointing was so strong. And she said prophetic things. She called me Joe, Joseph all the time, not realizing it was being prophetic because what God had been saying to me. And at the end she said, have you thought about starting a church? And this year God reminded me of everything that he's called me to do and said, right, it's time to get up, get out and start the community. What I spoke to you for the last 20 years, you're no longer working in other people's gardens. Though you've been diligent in that, it's time to birth everything that I've seeded in you before you were even conceived, particularly about gathering artists and creatives together as a tribe. And the Lord gave me redeeming culture, art, um, society, and narratives, one person at a time. So how do we get a hold of that? What's the website? How do people get involved with you? I'm, I'm a procrastinator <laughs> by nature. So... The one thing that, that God dropped in my spirit is coffee and kingdom. Yeah. yeah, amen, amen. Not houses, my house is messy, 
not buildings, but to have gatherings with people in a coffee shop. I can be found on my Twitter handle, at Coconut Prince. I can be listened to weekly on Premier Praise between 8 to 10 p.m. I'm a bit whack. I'm, I'm not the typical, I'm not a John Pantry. I love the guy to bits. I'm a bit scatty and a little bit, you might get pop culture film references come out of my head. Um, but in terms of the, the Tribe Redeem stuff, God is teaching me to build foundations. And he says, rather than platforms, build in people's lives. Someone told me, literally in Costa, a week ago, sitting next to me, they were hearing me talking to someone. Everything was, yes, pastor, this pastor, this pastor. And the person said to me, she was German, she says, oh, so you're talking to a pastor? I went, yes. Okay, a pastor. Yeah. Are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. So we started talking about the Lord. And one thing she said is, when you're doing stuff in the coffee shop, don't talk, just listen. People are going to come to you and they're going to open up with their business and just talk to you about stuff. And then with your gifting, and I'm adding that bit, you will discern things and you will just love on them and be a listening ear and you, you will pastor people in that profane, ungodly environment where God has his hand on very powerfully without having an espresso. <laughs> Leave it to Germans to speak where they're not invited. I love it. Germans is my background. So, uh... Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for being vulnerable, for being real. Seriously, listen to him on the radio, find him. Him and his wife and their family are beautiful, and we're just so grateful for you being here. Thanks so much. Hey, this is Sean Bowles, and I'm going to talk to you real quickly about our Bowles Ministries Partnership Program. This podcast is made by Bowles Ministries, and it's done because of partners and people who are supporting our ministry, who are equipping us to be able to bring this kind of a show to you. If you're loving hearing these interviews where people are sharing vulnerably about their process, which I think is one of the most powerful things we can do is hear each other's process about revelation. If you're loving this, please don't only subscribe, don't only review, don't only tell your friends, but partner with us, be part of the journey. Be part of the sending power of Bulls Ministries to get this message across the world. You guys can be part of our team. All you have to do is go to bullsministries.com, click on giving or partnership. And when you go there, you're going to be part of an incredible partnership community. We're going to resource you. We actually have a partnership director who calls all of our partners once a year. We have resources that we send you. There's your very own special partner page with messages and videos that only you can have. But we need you to partner with us if you love this show so that we can actually take it into a whole nother level with the rest of season two, but also go into season three and beyond.